Hi, I'm Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome the magnificent Jean Sullivan Bailachi. Jean is the soulmate coach and what a soulmate coach she is. Jean's book, Be the Soulmate You Want to Attract, is one of the most helpful and truthful books I've ever read about relationships and finding the partner that is best suited for you, otherwise known as your soulmate. Jean has a beautiful story of how she met her soulmate in midlife, where she was at a point where other people told her she was never gonna meet anybody if she didn't change who she was, but then by being exactly who she was, she found the man for her. Jean and I have a delightful, fun conversation around all things relationships, dating, personal acceptance, personal sovereignty, embracing ourselves, learning to love ourselves, and the journey of moving through challenging relationships and unhealthy relationships to that peace and unconditional love that's found with a soulmate. So take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Hi, Jean. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Hi, Whitney. I'm so excited. Our chat's going to be juicy. I know. I know. It's going to be amazing. And I'm kind of freaking out a little bit because I am quite a fan of yours. Thank you. You were kind we we met about a year ago through our our business circle that we do, Mm -hmm. spiritual business coaching program. And you were generous enough. We connected and you sent me a copy of your book. Jean, you are a soulmate coach and Mm -hmm. you're the author of the book, Be the Soulmate You Want to Attract. And you sent it to me because I am on my journey of attracting my soulmate. And I could not believe how much your book spoke to me and how much it just really resonated with my situation and everything I needed to hear. Because what I love about what you do, Jean, is that I think so many of us in this, you know, the crazy journey to find our person, our partner, our life companion, our, the one, right? It's all, a, we, we get really about, you know, okay, what are they going to look like? What are they, they, they going to be rather than, wait a minute, am I honoring and embodying those things that I'm mm-hmm. looking for, that I'm asking for? Because when we get down to it, how can we ask for something that we ourselves are not able to give or don't have for ourselves, right? That's a beautiful way to put it because a lot of people don't really think about that. Even you know people who've worked on themselves a lot, so it's not even a judgment. It's just, I think, a cultural thing. We don't really think about, well, how do we become the soulmate we want to attract? A lot of times we're thinking without realizing it, how can I find somebody to complete me who can be strong where I'm not? And, you know, and it gets mixed up where it really should be about how can I become the best version of myself? And that's what's going to get you the partner you always wanted. Yeah, it's true. And that just sounds a lot more difficult <laughs> than getting to pick out somebody that's your prince charming or princess perfect and is your everything and who's going to make you feel all these certain ways. I had somebody else ask me once, one time, somebody else I was working with therapy and focusing on finding a relationship. And they asked, what is it like to date you? 
And I was kind of taken aback and I thought, oh gosh, what is it like to date me? You know, what, what do I bring to the table? How do I present? How do I act? And we all know that experience of when you're dating, there's nothing like it where you get this big old mirror right in your face. You know, yeah, it's funny. Absolutely. You can be single and you think that you've resolved a lot of issues and you're doing good and all this stuff. And then you get in a relationship and you're like, what was that? Like, what is this that's coming up? That's defensive. <laughs> that's this, that's that, that's insecure. That's whoa. So yeah. anyways, yeah. So that's why addressing the internal first addressing, you know, who, who am I, you know, that's a big question that's come up for me with each relationship has kind of jolted me and made me think, well, why did I act that way? Like who, who, who am I, you know, what are mm-hmm. my values? What are, what's important to me? Why am I acting this way? If I say that I believe these things. And I think it's just, it's all about, you know, it's our, our personal history and our own insecurities and our own false core beliefs and all of that, that just really, really shines the most in relationships in a good, are in a good and bad way, our traits come through. Absolutely. And it's important not to be hard on ourselves too throughout this process. And I'm not saying, by the way, I think it's just important to say, because I don't want anybody to be freaked out when I'm like, be your higher self, because I'm not expecting when I work with people and when I coach them, I'm not trying to get them to be, you know, <laughs> living on the astral plane. They're so involved. You know, I, I'm, oh, I'm, <laughs> or, or whatever the term is. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is get them because of course, law of attraction is about feeling the vibration of having what you want rather than thinking your way there. And if you are not vibrating from that place of this is what I deserve and this is my vision, it's just not going to happen. It's going to be another lesson (laughs) that's coming your way. So when I say live your highest life, best life, it's just getting very clear on who you are flying your free flag, which I know we'll talk about later and being very clear what your boundaries are. A lot of people are not super clear on that, clear on what they want their life to look like in the future with this partner. Sometimes they think, I'll get the partner, then we'll figure out a life together. But if you figure out where you want to go with your life, what dreams do you want to accomplish? I just help clients to just take even baby steps in that direction. And that's enough because then when they call in a partner, that partner is going to be coming into being invited into that life. When that you're, when that guy asked you, what's it like to date you? If you're already clear on what you want your life to look like, you can answer so clearly. And that guy can understand or whomever you're looking for <laughs> um, will understand if they fit in that picture with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that what can be challenging is that what we think we want can change. And I feel like that ties in a little to another big component of your message is that, you know, you found love later in life and I am getting into my late thirties and I'm still on the the lookout for my person. I still have yet to meet them. So, and I, I'm there's benefits. There's many benefits to finding love later in life because you get with each relationship and with each year of life, you get more clear about what is it that I'm looking for? Because as we know, the universe is literally like a Xerox machine. You say what you want and it will make a copy of that. And But sometimes it's when our intentions and our requests are not clear or not consistent, 
that we get all these mixed results, which I've experienced a lot of. So I think that that's, I wish something that was more, you know, encouraged and stated is that there's actually wonderful benefits to finding a partner. I mean, whenever you find them is great, but if it happens later in life, it gives you all that more time to more thoroughly know this is who I am and this is what Mm -hmm. I want. (laughs) Absolutely. And I had a funny story when I, excuse me, when I was in my late twenties, a friend of mine took me to a psychic and already in my late twenties, I was all about my soulmate or one of my soulmates. I believe there are multiples, but I was all about it. I was all about it. And the psychic called on me because it was one of those group readings. And she says, you. And I went, me? She says, you. She goes, I I can't ignore you and your question. So I'm going to answer it for you. She says, you're not going to meet him till your 40s. So get over it. (laughs) I was not a happy camper. But I will say now that I'm older and wiser, it makes perfect sense because knowing what I know now, of course, pull and track Todd into my life, it took a lot. I was very stubborn. I had a certain way of being and I didn't know how to receive and I thought I did, but eventually I got our thing. I hope they figured how to give us much more biological freedom so that we don't have that pressure you know, in the early thirties to mid thirties that some women really, really want kids. They feel like, God, I have to, I have to mate with somebody now. I have to find somebody now. And, and that pressure pushes what you want away. It's really unfortunate. And of course there's freezing the eggs, but aside, putting the biological part aside, if, if you're able to meet someone later in life, there are so many more advantages so many more benefits. So yes, you're more clear on who, who you are and what you want. Uh, you've learned a lot about yourself, as you said, from previous relationships. And you're also just wiser. You're just wiser in general. You don't take things as personally as you do when you were younger. You've learned, you've had a lot more life experience and you just have had more time to figure out what your next dreams are so that when you do attract somebody, they're much more likely to be aligned with you. A lot of the people who come to me for coaching have been married, but they married young and they just grew apart because they just really, they got together because they were you know, really attracted to each other and they cared about each other, but they didn't ever talk about where they wanted to go in the future. What was their future like? So what's interesting is that as I have gotten more into a spiritual community and into, you know, my spiritual awakening and all that stuff, I've met more and more women who met their spiritual partner later in life, their companion, their soulmate. And I have, all I've heard from them is that they, like how peaceful they feel within the relationship, how satisfied, which is also interesting because Another little stigma and lovely thing that people will tell you is, oh, you better get married earlier. You're going to have to settle. But no one I've met who married later, it sounded like, oh, thank goodness. I found the exact person for me that we're just such a good fit rather than, well, you know, it's someone to watch TV with and make meals with. It'll do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and again, it's, yeah. 
it's not to insult anyone. If you get married early, that's beautiful and wonderful. Some people have a whole lifelong relationship, but I'm, it, I'm focusing on this because it is this sort of stigmatized group of older women who are single. And it's like, oh, that spinster is going to have to find this, the slim pickings. They're the leftovers, right? That's a term totally. I hear. They're the leftovers. Totally. Totally. And that's what freaks us out and why so many of us get into a lack mindset when we're dating and why there's so much tension around our dating. And that's what I was trying to say before about wanting kids too, because that's part of the reason why there's the stigma. Oh, you better, you better find them or else your eggs are going to get old. And it's like, oh my God, you know, just <laughs> give women a break, please, because there's enough pressure on us just being in the world. We don't need that pressure too. And I will say from, from where I'm sitting, yes, there have there, I've known people who've been together, you know, in their early twenties and it's a great relationship. I think though much of the time we, you know, that's nece not necessarily going to be our final relationship unless we just both happen to be really actively working together and are both great communicators and both going in the same direction. But it tends to be more and more common now that people are waiting. And I do think the results are pretty amazing when you're already in a place of having that life experience to know what's important and what isn't. When we're in our 20s, I tell people all the time, please, nowadays, try to avoid getting married in your 20s because it isn't until you, know, you get into your 30s that you really start stepping into who you are. And I'm not trying to say that anybody who met someone in their 20s has the wrong person, but I'm just saying in general, it's, it is better to wait till you're a little older. So I am fighting that stereotype. I don't want people to buy into that mindset. It's, it's part of what that belief is about, about you better meet them early, is they think that a, woman, a woman's value is her attractiveness, her you know, yeah. youthful skin and firmer butt and whatever, you know, and... The funny thing is, I was 300 pounds when I attracted my husband, you know, and I was in my 40s. And I'm here to tell people all the time that it's not about if you have wrinkles because you're a little bit older. It's not because you're a little fluffier because you're older. It's really just about how you feel about yourself inside. And that energy that you project from being coming from that place, that's what's attractive. Mm -hmm. I was just dancing in a gay bar with Marcus, my co-host, Lady Portia. Um, co-host for, for, let's shout out to your oh, podcast. Oh, I was, I was trying to be respectful, but it's dating is that such a drag podcast. And what is it again? Dating? Dating is such a drag. Um, I created it and I invited Lady Portia, who's an amazing drag queen and life coach to be on the show with me. And she's like my spirit animal. She's really amazing. And she, <laughs> she performs in um, Belfast and I was in Belfast recently. And I, after she did her set, you know, we were all dancing on the stage and I had like a 30 year old guy asking everybody if I was single <laughs> and I'm turning it. 55 tomorrow. And I've got a lot of extra pounds. I got the wrinkles, but I was having the time of my life and I was radiating such happiness. Mm. 
He said, I can't take my eyes off of you. So I just, I want to emphasize to anyone listening out there, please let go of any notion if you're carrying it, that if you start to look like you have a little mileage on you, that that's what it's about. And it's really, really not. Yeah. It's about your energy. That's such a powerful truth, Jean. And I'm so glad you bring that up because I think that plagues so many of us in our dating life, not only in the dating experience, but how much grief we give ourselves about, you know, because I know for me, it's my whole life, it's been if I was just this, if I just was more like this or like that, then everybody would have wanted me and everything would have worked out. But the truth is just what you said. It's that, you know, people are enigmatic for different reasons, right? They they attract different people. They are vibrant. They are vivacious for various reasons. And one part of it is our external physical presentation, but that's just one part. Yet we, as a society, as a world, we're very fixated on the physical, right? Mm -hmm. material. So we kind of push everything else aside and we're like, no, no, no. All that matters is that I'm young and that I look my best. But you know, I've been in situations, I'll never forget one time I had my heart just stomped on by somebody that I was seeing and I really wanted them to want to commit and for us to, you know, give it a shot. And they just weren't for that. They weren't interested. They didn't want to go there. And the first place my mind went was like, well, if I just looked a little more like this and that and the other thing, then they would have been on board. And later, you know, the person they ended up with was somebody that was, you know, didn't wear makeup and very relaxed and very, and I thought it was going to be some bombshell that was a perfect 10 <laughs> and everything I'm not. And, you know, it just, it really hit home to that same question with, well, that person was just themselves. They just were who they are and they found the person for them. And they didn't have to be showy and they didn't have to try and contort or change themselves. And it really smacked Mm -hmm. me right in the gut. Cause I was like, well, what, who would I be if I was just me? And Mm -hmm. when can I be that? So I can actually attract who I'm really going to fit best with. Because again, Mm -hmm. when we try and create or present ourselves a certain way, it's like, we're, we're really kind of contorting or, or blocking our true light Because we think Mm -hmm. that, oh, if I present myself this way, if I micromanage it, then I'll attract the right person. But it's literally keeping the right person from us because it's when our true light shines, just like you were saying, you on the bar at the gay bar, you know? (laughs) And you were just, because you don't care. You're married, you're happy, you're fabulous. (laughs) And it was then that people were like, damn, like, look at that essence. So it it is just such, um, you know, we just do ourselves such a disservice by believing Mm -hmm. that, who I am is not enough. So I have to try and change it and try to, you know, create this certain persona or something that will get this person when the reality is only when we release all that and just be our true selves that that person's going to come along. Yeah. I mean, I am a poster child for that. Yeah. If if, if somebody listening gets nothing more than that, picture it. I'll, I'll have to get out the picture before we end. I was, I was 300 pounds. I was told by so many people, oh, you better lose weight, Jean. You know, it's not going to happen. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm belly dancing and I feel good in my body. You know, I, I feel sexy. So I'm just going to go for it. You know, it came wow. the next day. I mean, it's, That's it's, wild. well, but there's a big component though, that I should mention to you, a big part of this is flying your freak flag. And a lot of times when people hear that, they're like, Oh God, what is that kink? Yeah. And I just say, what I mean is just 
unleashing your most authentic self. And when I say unleashing, because a lot of people will just go, well, I'm being myself. Well, to your point or earlier, I think most of us, when we're dating, unless we're super conscious, are putting on a little bit of a mask. We're, and especially if we're high achieving women, um, I see this over and over again, they're toning themselves down because they're afraid of being intimidating. They've been told they're intimidating. They've been told they're too much. And so they tone themselves down. I did that for a long time. And then I attracted men who rode my coattails. I had my ex before my husband, my ex-boyfriend, he, he literally would say to me, I know I'm riding your coattails. And I would get so depressed. Like, that's not a partner. That's just luggage I'm carrying around. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's weight. Not somebody's, yeah, weight. that's somebody not supporting and elevating me. That's yeah. not, that's not really working. And so before I flew my free fare, the reason I attracted my husband overnight is because before when I was online, I did go through this two-year journey uh, after my last breakup to try to figure out, okay, why, what's, what's up with me? Why am I <laughs> attracting, not only attracting, but holding on to these relationships that don't serve me? Yeah. I, I was doing it. I wasn't, it's not like it's their fault. I was doing it. And I, I figured it out. I figured out where my limited beliefs were. I figured out how I wasn't loving myself. And I, I spent two years really working on that and stepping up into my own sovereignty. But when I put my, my dating profile out there, I was projecting confidence and happiness, but I wasn't flying my freak flag. What does that mean? Well, for me, I was afraid. I still had a lack mindset. I was still thinking, if I say I want to get married, it's going to look needy. If I say that I'm really into drag queens and drag shows, I know there's a lot of straight guys who can't handle that. You know, because yeah. I had been through that experience, you know, and other things. I mean, those are just two examples. And so what I was attracting was almost exclusively 25-year-old men. And I asked the guys, I said, I'm just curious, what's bringing you my way? How old were you and at the time? I was 44. And <laughs> they were, I mean, some of them were really hot. Well, yeah, I mean, you're I, attracting men 20, 20 years younger than you? I was. And then, I mean, the other night in Belfast, it was, you know, wow. 25, you know, like years yeah. different. You know, it, it was because well, I was projecting. Oh, go ahead. go ahead. You're projecting. I was going to, you're probably about to say this, but I was going to ask, is it, cause I've been doing the same recently, attracting younger men. Do you think it's when we're coming from a place of immaturity or lot, or when we're trying not being authentic? What do you think? It, what were you projecting? What were you going to say? So I don't think it's because you're being immature. I think they're attracted to your maturity. I asked them, I asked a whole, a bunch of them, what's bringing you my way? And it would usually be some variation of you're really fun. You look really confident. And usually women their age are not, they're very insecure. It's not attractive to them. And, and again, it's another belief women carry that they think that men want like a, an insecure little thing to rescue and they don't not healthy guys anyway. Yeah. They said, um, and you don't want to have my baby. You don't want to marry me. You know, it's like 
Alison Armstrong said, and this blew my mind, she was talking about the different stages of men. And when men are in their 20s is when they're in the night phase of their lives and they need adventure. They must sow their wild oats. And that's when they break women's hearts. Yeah. So they are looking for older women typically because they, they don't want to be settling down yet unless they see being married and having a family as an adventure. That's a different thing. So that, you know, um, that can happen. But the guys that I was attracting, they just wanted, they wanted to have fun. They said also they thought because I was more experienced sexually that that was a big bonus too. Yeah. Yeah. And I was. <laughs> and you, where I mean, you think, are. <laughs> and you still are at 55. I love it. I am. By the way, let's not skip over the fact that you look absolutely fantastic. Thank you. At 55. You. And also what a beautiful number that is. Double five. That, that also means change. I wonder if you got some change coming your way this year, Jean, because five Huge. is all about that change. Okay. Yeah. And you know, I'm in the, the menopausal phase too. And the thing, I have a menopause coach friend who yeah. she was telling me that um, this is another thing too, for women who are, might be listening, who are closer to my age, don't worry about menopause because menopause, not only statistically is when women report being the most happy in their lives, their fifties and sixties, but it's um, the Japanese call it the second spring. And it's like an initiation and f- further stepping into your power as, as a woman. Yeah. And you let go of so many things. And I can attest to that. And you do feel freer and you do feel more purposeful. Um, so if anybody's older is listening, you know, don't buy into that whole thing about drying up menopause and all that. Yeah. And if, if your friend but, is your friend, Vanessa Nixon, by any chance? Yes. So she was on the show a few months ago. So if anybody, you can find the episode with Vanessa Nixon about menop- dancing your way through menopause was I think the title because she's also a, a lovely belly dancer. Do you all belly dance together like on Zoom since you're both have a history of belly dancing? Oh, dance. you know, it's funny because I'm going to have her belly dance for my for one of my classes because oh. I haven't belly danced in a long time and she's beautiful. I mean, not only is she just physically beautiful, she's a stunner, but her she's just a radiant being yeah. and... You know, but belly dancing was a way for me to feel good in my body at a time when, you know, being overweight for a female is, you know, it's like a crime really in the way our society treats it. And in the Middle Eastern dance culture, they, they revere women who are a little more Rubenesque. It's, it's celebrated, but yeah. Anyway, um, that's well, what do, was happening with the younger guys. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for adding that. And I do think that's important to touch on though, is that, you know, it said, you said it's basically a crime when women are overweight. Well, anything that's unappealing physically feels like a crime, but also it feels like it's your value barometer, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I grew up, uh, you know, being kind of labeled like the, the unattractive girl, the ugly girl growing up in school. That was my label and, you know, kind of like an ugly duckling. And how is that? You're gorgeous. I mean, people change over time. It was when I was younger in high school and which, which is a terrible time to feel unattractive because 
that's all people know to really determine. I mean, we're so impulsive and we're so visual and impatient that we want exactly what we see. If we like what we see, then we're going to like it. And so what I didn't like, and I don't know if you experienced this as a bigger woman, is that it felt like it wasn't just that they didn't like how I looked. It's like they didn't like me. And that it wasn't just, I didn't look good. It's that I wasn't good. Is the messaging you get when you, as a woman, you're unattractive and you're, or you're overweight, you know? And, and I'm, and uh-huh. I don't think that it's untrue for men either. I think men probably feel the same way, but I think it's even more in extreme because women are, we're kind of supposed to look good and present well and, you know, be appealing, right? Men can be yeah. strong. They can be burly. They can be manly, but women are supposed to be feminine, which usually entails being pleasant, being pleasing to the eyes, if you will. And I'll, I will never in my life. And I, you know, that's why I want to do this work and speak to people, forget what it felt like for people to look at me. Like, like I just didn't matter yeah. or that I didn't, that either I was invisible or very offensive and, and just how I showed up. It was the worst feeling mm-hmm. ever because it was like, I, I, it doesn't even matter who I am. Just how I look is an automatic. It pushes people away, and it was it was so degrading mm-hmm. and awful. And I mean, talk about having to figure out who you are. I mean, that set me back a lot because I was like, well, I guess I'm nothing. I guess I'm worthless because that's how people treat me because of how I look, and it's terrible. And and you know, I think it's something that's not talked about enough because it's mm-hmm. not considered like a disability or a disease, but it impacts people's life greatly when they are when they, when you're a little bit different. It's not that easy in this world. No, it's it's not. And 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 yes, it definitely does impact men. I do have some male clients. Uh, it's just that for women, it's more extreme. Like if you think about it, and you look at Hollywood, for example, you can envision there are leading men who are a little chubbier and way older, <laughs> and the leading lady is always thin and younger and. I mean, I'm hoping that's starting to change. I'm starting to see some signs that's starting to change. But even the women who are older, there's enormous pressure on them to look like they're 30. And that's why I'm so open about and vulnerable, really, talking about my weight. Because I was told my entire life, nobody's going to want to fuck you. I hope that's okay to say. Um, Nobody is going to want you. Um, I was literally told that by men. Uh, my ex was told me he was ashamed of the weight I had gained in that relationship, even though he was overweight, you know, it's, it's brutal. It is brutal. I can't say it enough. And that's why I'm so open about it because part of my mission in life is, is helping women to not put up with that shit anymore and not to buy into it anymore. That See, when I changed my mind about what my value was and my attractiveness was, yeah. everything changed. I was 300 pounds and in in, in attracting these young, very good-looking buff guys because of how I felt about myself and I was projecting it. The reason that I wasn't attracting... The right men, though, was because I wasn't 100% clear, which you had mentioned earlier. I didn't add all those little extra details that would show what would it be like to date me. I didn't fly my freak flag. When I put a picture of me with a bunch of drag queens in there and I said, look, I want to get married, not tomorrow, but I want the ring. I want the proposal. I was very clear. Next day, not only my husband, but a bunch of men, a bunch who said, I want the same things. Why don't people say that? Thank you for painting a picture of what it would be like to date you. 
I really want to know more. I want to meet you. Um, it's pretty clear, I think. That's amazing. And what it, you know, I love that you shared that it literally happened overnight for you because it do, that doesn't happen for all of us. There's so many of us that we're told what to do. You know, you make your list and you check it twice about who you're looking for and your partner, and they tell you, oh, as long as you write it down in red and put it in a red box and do all these things and light it on fire, then they'll show up. But sometimes, it to me it really is it's like when you when that thing you're know I feel it's like you're knowingness when you actually like I feel like when you did that that day you were like I know it's not a question anymore it's not like a, a declaration it's just a knowing and then there he was yeah. because that's how the universe I have, works I have a chill right now and every Ooh. time I talk about that I have a little goose but oh. because I remember that moment I remember the moment of 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 putting all that in the profile, posting it. And I just, I literally felt like a shift in my entire body. And I, I, be, I came to peace and I said, I've done everything I can do. And now I just have to wait and receive it. I have to go live my life. I really need to let this go. Yeah. And it was that energetic shift, that vibrational shift, I think is what called them in so quickly, but, and, and others, you know, it was, mm-hmm. I do believe each and every one of us has multiple soulmates out there that could, you know, come into our lives. Yes. So I, that's another thing too, is I let go of the concept of the one. Okay. Thank you. Because that was something I, you know, I, I wanted to hit on is to ask you, I mean, of course I have so many questions, but <laughs> what is a soulmate? You know, it's such a big question. And I was just having this talk the other day with somebody that I'm seeing, which is, you know, they were presenting that, well, anyone can be your soulmate as long as you work at it. And I said, I just don't feel that way. I feel like mm-hmm. there's just certain people that you're actually more aligned to be with that. If you just pick anyone that it's going to be, it, it can be really, really hard with certain people, whereas with others, it won't be. And I get what he's saying that, you know, if you work at something, but I don't, I just, and then I was like, well, what, then what do I think is a soulmate? It, it is a big mm-hmm. question. So let me ask the coach, the master, the expert, <laughs> what, <laughs> what, how would you describe a soulmate? Yep. No, it's a very good question. And I, personally believe that from lifetime to lifetime, I do, I do believe in reincarnation. And I do believe that we travel from lifetime to lifetime with groups of souls, that there are souls. Our soul and pod. We don't, that's right. Our soul pod. And, and, and then we're not necessarily going to have the same dynamics to the relationships, but we're still soulmates. And to me, it means there's a contract of some kind of what we're going to teach each other, what we're going to bring out in each other something along those lines, not like a literal contract, but there's some sort of purpose for these souls to be together. And I have met soulmates like where I recognize them instantly and tried to date them. And then it never worked out because they weren't meant to be there for a long period of time. They were meant to show me something about myself and that was it. (laughs) Right. I can remember one guy like that, that was clearly a soulmate. Um, but he was here to teach me something completely different and it wasn't from being with me. Mm-hmm. So there's that, there are friend people who maybe were, I, I have a friend, a gay man who I, he and I both believe we were married in another life, oh. but he's now just a really good friend. You know, um, Todd, is that your current husband? My husband is Todd. Yeah. The man, Todd, my man's. 
It's funny because when we were first dating um, and I was doing Reiki on him, he grabbed my arm and he goes, my guides are asking me if you're ready for me. And I said, um, do you normally talk to your guides? Because he's a scientist. <laughs> you know, he said that he said that. And I and I said, do you normally talk to you guys? He goes, that's the first time. But they asked me and they, I, I, I they was, were asking if you were ready for him. Yeah, they were. <laughs> And it just blew me away that he actually heard and perceived. And I said, I said, bring it on. And he said, okay. And, you know, the rest is history. But a soulmate on top of that, whether if you're going to be with a soulmate longer term, then the reason I advocate for people to get really clear on who they are and what they want is because you want to attract a soulmate who's going to support and elevate your vision of what you want for your future. Todd does that for me and I do that for him. So for example, when we first met, he was in biotech and I was in PR. Weren't unhappy, but we were not really living our life purposes. Mm -hmm. By being together and with the kind of contrast that we had with each other, we helped each other to heal a little more through the mirroring was the right kind of contrast that we both, you know, over 10 years later, we're both living in Europe, our dream life. Uh, we're living on purpose. I'm doing my soulmate work. He's now a visual artist and, you know, a mentor to young artists. We've really helped each other live a more purposeful life. And in that sense, we're making the world a better place. Yeah, I love that. And that was a message from your book that really stuck with me is that because sometimes it's like, well, you know, does it really matter if I meet my soulmate? Like maybe I won't meet them and maybe it's just not meant to be. But when you put it that way, it was like, there's also a quote that I love that says, um, when two when two two lives join together can do... I always mess up quotes, but it's something like what one, what you can't do within one life can occur when two lives join together. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was sort of the message. And I got that really inspired me where it was like, Hey, it's not even just about me being like, I want to find my, my love, my person. It's like, it's because we can become our highest vibrational, highest potential self with another who we best complement each other, where we bring out the, mm -hmm. we, cause then someone who gives you the the courage and the conviction to be, to really do the things that you're meant to do and be the person, person that you're meant to be, that does benefit the world, all people, everything. Right? We remind each other sometimes when, you know, there are times you have bad days, right? So there are times where I forget, you know, and I'm not in my power, particularly that day. And he'll remind me, Hey, you know, and he'll remind me who I am and what I deserve. And then I do the same for him. I remind him when he's down on himself. And something else I wanted to mention too, that I think is really, really important. And it, it's a, a big block that I come across in clients to receiving a soulmate is what they think a soulmate will feel like. So Hollywood, Hollywood and romantic novels teach us that when we meet a soulmate, it's going to feel like a big spark. It's going to feel like butterflies. It's going to, which in reality, that's anxiety. That's the kind of energy and connection where we're flipping our hair and we're sucking in our stomach and we're, we're, 
we're not feeling comfortable. Yeah. So the, the word that comes to mind is conditional versus unconditional. When I think of a soulmate, it's unconditional, which to your point is when you're at whatever weight you happen to be at, however you happen to look, you're still, it's not going to stop your soulmate because it's unconditional. Conditional is Correct. when you look the right look, you do the right thing. And so someone's like, oh, who's that, you know? And, but it's, right. it all depends on this like Cinderella moment of like, okay, I can't move because if I do, I might break the spell. <laughs> so, right. And, and, and the butterflies is you're like, are they still going to like me? Are they still going to call anxiety? And that's exactly right. I really agree with that. I think that's a very wise way to see it. The other piece to that is what's driving that love train is physical chemistry. Yeah. And I get a lot of resistance when I start talking about this. So I'm just going to preface that and say, I'm not saying you should marry job of the hut, but if you're finding yourself stuck in your sucking in your stomach a lot and, and really like posing and very self-conscious all the time, like I always that's typically a sign that what's engaging is more of the primitive brain, the, the biological, the part of your your hormones that are saying this person would be great to mate with. Right. Yeah. And even if you're not looking for a kid consciously, there's, there's that conditioning, that physical spark is physical chemistry. Yeah. The Buddhists. And I believe when you meet a soulmate, not to look for that spark because a soulmate won't feel that way. A soulmate will feel calm and we're trained to believe if we feel calm, if we feel a friendship vibe, that means, uh, I'm settling, but yeah. no, <laughs> this is too boring. This isn't exciting. This isn't, you know, this big deal yet. I mean, if you're at peace and at ease, that, that to me is a big indicator of something. And the sex from being at ease and being yourself and not having to suck in your stomach and not having to go on a diet and not have to look a certain way. When that person is with you, you can be completely yourself and there's that unconditional feeling or potential there. The sex is fantastic. So you're not compromising. You know, think about you know, if you're with somebody and there's a physical, you know, it's driven by physical chemistry primarily, then usually those kinds of connections, you know, you try to have like a relationship or a conversation. It doesn't always really work. It doesn't tend to lead to a partner yeah. in general. But if you lead with looking for an emotional, spiritual connection and somebody who really makes you feel like you can be yourself that relaxation, that peace, mm -hmm. I just want people to know it doesn't mean you're not going to have exciting sex. There's just a, a level of intimacy and sexual vibrance that comes from being able to just be free. Yeah. Yeah. And this reminds me of another question I was going to ask earlier, because what you're you know really alluding to is that it's going to be healthy, <laughs> right? It's going to feel yeah. healthy, which is going to feel different. You know, I just like last year, I remember a group of my friends and I were all sitting together talking and we realized none of us, we were all in our mid thirties, had never, had, a, had never, ever been in a healthy relationship. And we're like, well, shit, how are we supposed to help each other out? None of us know what a healthy relationship looks like. And it's because, because you also made a point earlier, Jean, you said, why do people stay in relationships that they know 
are not working, that they're not meant for. And I think that it's because when something's unhealthy, there's an aspect of addiction to it that can be very addictive. <laughs> it can be very appealing. It feels good. Anybody who's struggled with addiction, <laughs> yeah. as I have, knows that when you're in it, it can feel amazing in this really gross, bad way, but it still feels good when you get it. But then it feels awful when you lose it. Mm-hmm. So the whole addiction cycle, we know it's like this, you know, you know, it's not serving you, you know, it's not good for you, but you keep doing it anyways. So why is it that we spend time in these relationships that we know are not for our highest good? We're not our best selves. That's what I've come to recognize is the, and the question I ask myself is, do I feel like the best version of myself when I'm with this person? And so far it's been no, (laughs) usually. So, you know, why do you think that people will stay in those situations? Or why do you think that when they see something that's like a soulmate, they almost are averse to it because it's too healthy? Yeah, there there are different different types of resistance, right? So some of us don't know how to receive love like that when it's offered to us or don't recognize it because there's a part of us that doesn't feel worthy of it. And so the universe is going to keep throwing this lesson to us until we get it and we can receive it. There are other people who are just addicted to the drama or think maybe because of role models they've had, they think that that's what's exciting. That's what they should have. Often it's because they're replaying a a dynamic with their parent, like one of their parents where Maybe they were neglected. Their parents didn't love them the way that they wanted to be loved. And they're trying to, it is kind of textbook, but I do find it even if people who think it doesn't relate to them, it kind of, it often does wind up being relating to them in that, like if for me, the reason I kept pursuing these types of men who are unavailable is my father was unavailable. My father was mentally ill. He was completely unavailable for himself, much less me and my siblings. And so there was a part of me unconsciously that was trying to work that out and trying to win the unavailable guy over until I recognized that and shifted my beliefs around that and said, you know, uh, I can, I can provide what I needed for my dad. I can provide that for myself. And until I had that recognition you know, it wasn't until I had that recognition that I was able to shift the dynamic. Sometimes you don't have to heal everything. You just have to acknowledge your truth. Yeah. You know, that, that wound with my dad is, is there's still parts of it there, but it doesn't have to be in control. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, thank you for bringing up that point because it's such an important point, not just with relationships, but in general, because as a therapist, you know, this is something that you, you know, have to work with a lot on with people is that, you know, wounds can get better. They can, you know, heal all wounds heal by degrees, but there's no guarantee that any of our wounds are going to heal all the way in this lifetime. Cause also to your point, reincarnation, many lives, there are things that we carry with us from one lifetime to the next. Cause as we know, there's no real such thing as death. So really we're just a continuation from where we've come from before. So things that we're dealing with now might even be the residual from past lifetimes. Um, but also again, they might not heal fully, but we can know that they will eventually heal because we are an infinite perfect soul that will go back to oneness and perfection. So no concern there. But in this lifetime, it's important to recognize that just because you're not fully healed doesn't mean you can't live your life and experience love. 
And again, I appreciate you saying that because I think those are two concepts that people feel strongly about and believe that it is a limiting factor. And I know I mm-hmm. get stuck on that, which is, God, I'm still struggling with this. Like, am I ever going to be able to be in a healthy relationship? Because this doesn't seem to be going away. But I think that just as you said, just as long as you're aware of it and you're, there's communication and discussion around it, I think that's when you can still live with it. Our wounds are nothing to be ashamed of. You right. Know? And there, there's always going to be, even with a soulmate, and that's the other thing. A lot of times people can be married to a soulmate and they sometimes start to question whether they are because there's a certain type of contrast in the relationship. Mm-hmm. But even soulmate relationships have contrast. But the way I see it, a soulmate relationship will give you the right contrast where you push each other up. If both people are consciously working on it, that's a big caveat. Yeah, you move each other up on your life path and elevate each other. I wanted to show you. This is what I was looking for. If I could bring it closer, bring it closer for those of us who are just listening. Oh, when is this? Is that the wedding? This is my wedding. Oh my gosh! Did you all get married on a boat? Is that a boat? No, it's uh, the Moss Beach Distillery in San Francisco. Oh, well, I wish I could see it. It's a little blurry. It is a little blurry, but it looks beautiful. And I can just tell your essence and your aura is, is shining and happy. So, <laughs> and I was very fluffy, you know, I just, I just wanted people to know that, you know, that it's, it's just hard on the zoom camera. Sorry. Yeah. It, it really is remarkable that it, when it comes down to it, love it. We're so, again, we're so tied to material and superficial. I can see it now. I see it now. You guys just look so happy. There's yeah. great joy in that picture. Anyway. No, but people just really <laughs> believe that, you know, that it's not going to happen for, or that love has anything to do with how you look. It just doesn't. At the end of the day, you don't fall in love with the way somebody looks. You don't. No. And, and I have a lot of people who are really attached to the idea of the fantasy of having a movie star, handsome or movie star, gorgeous mate. And they feel like, they're getting the short end of the stick if their mate happens to be average looking. <laughs> um, and it's sad to me because at the end of the day, that's not what's going to make their lives more satisfying. It's not going to lead them to happiness. It's, yeah. it's just not. Yeah. You know. And also there's just the fact that, you know, I, I always just get really stuck on, you know, that everybody found the same things attractive. So I always assume that everyone would think that certain people were attractive and, and never as attractive as, or I would never be as attractive as that. So, but attraction is very, you know, subjective. Everybody can be attracted to so many different things. And I think the shame is that it's, it's our own insecurities that keep us from experiencing that, you know, someone can genuinely be like totally into you and just think that you rock, even if you're not whatever the typical standard beauty, but we, if you can't feel it yourself, it doesn't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. If we can't embrace it and be like, yeah, I know I'm hot, which everybody in this whole world has the right to be able to be like, yes, this is who I am. And I want to rock it. And I want to just enjoy it because what's the alternative? We we have two choices all the time to reject ourselves or accept ourselves. And, and unfortunately, most of us, majority of people on this planet choose to reject ourselves. And that's mm-hmm. sort of my mission. A lot of focus with women waken is kind of asking that question of why do we live this way? 
And why can't we live in a world where the majority of us accept ourselves? And I'm not talking about all of us being these narcissists who think we're the best. There's a huge difference between, you know, having this grandiose view that you're perfect versus (laughs) just being able to say, gosh, I am this amazing, magnificent being with my own unique beauty and light and vibrancy. And how amazing that I'm a piece of the universe embodied right now. You know, we don't think that way. We think, oh man, I freaking lost. I lost in this round of life because I'm not this, that, or the other thing. So I might as well just, you know, call it a day. (laughs) No, I, I, I'm so with you, sister. I, I have the same, very same mission. I, I want people and I, I have, I have gay men and straight men and, you know, I have people from different gender identification you know, coming to me with similar issues, but I do notice it tends to be way more common in in women who identify as female. And that's part of the reason why I love drag queens and that drag queen culture so much is that at the end of the day, the character that they portray is really a piece of their own nature, right? It's, It's part of who they already are. It just gives them the courage to express that part. But also in that culture, there is a lot of body positivity. You know, somebody has a big butt <laughs> or a big waist, they'll be like, look at that ass, you know, and it's it's sexy. And there's one uh, drag queen, I don't know if you've ever seen Drag Race, but oh, yeah. those are drag queen. Ripple. You know, Lutrice, Lutrice Royale. Do you remember Lutrice? Lutrice no, is like 400 pounds. I don't. My friend is such an avid Drag Race fan. She'd be so, she would know, but I don't. I'm not, she, I'm not well will. Okay. She will. So Latrice is like 400 pounds, but he always dresses up in these elaborate ball gown outfits. And the first time I saw him, he comes in and he's like, fellas, drink it all in. (laughs) And it was like, I mean, this dress was hugging every curve and the curves were going not in the traditional way that's considered by... (laughs) society as gorgeous it was like all over the place but he he just like drink it all in and I thought that was the most beautiful thing for him to say and it's it's very common in that culture and yes of course there's also another side to the culture that isn't so healthy as they will tell you but Mm. I really think that that that's a really wonderful thing and they are starting to help people to see you know, acceptance of other things besides weight, you know, do I identify as straight or gay or something in between? Do I identify as male, female, what have you? But at the end of the day, it's about self-acceptance. And that's what I really like about that. And that's what I try to use as a role model for clients to give themselves permission to be themselves and not hold back anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And what a beautiful, full gift and what a beautiful, you know, knowing to embody or to embrace is that, I mean, cause really that it it's, we are the only ones that keep us imprisoned in this idea that who I am is not acceptable and I can't embrace myself. I can't accept myself because of X, Y, and Z because of these things, who I am will never be okay. When literally we are all free to say, Oh my gosh. Like sometimes I, I picture it almost like it sounds like out of a movie where like if someone could like snap their fingers and become somebody else, they'd be like, Oh my gosh, like I I look so great and everything. But when we're in our own body, it's like, Oh gosh, like this, it's, we don't add up. Does that make sense? It's like, 
the idea yeah. of like, we are this amazing, incredible person to be. And we just all find ways to like, you know, where somebody else could have been like, oh my God, it be, must be so much fun to be you because of this. And, but we're every, yeah. almost every person is like, nope. Cause we, we see our shortcomings so vividly, right? Mm-hmm. We see them the most. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It is true. And we would never, the way that we often can self-talk to ourselves, we would never talk that way to a friend. No. And that's part of what you and I are here to change is to not to see yourself as, you know, perfect or like you said, narcissistic. It's, it's more just being comfortable in your skin, not being so hard on yourself and really celebrating what you do bring to the table. Yeah. And rejecting what society has brainwashed you to believe, which is your value is based on your appearance, your ability to have kids. You know, there's all these things that, that put us in a box. And if you could just reject the box and live life on your own terms and give yourself permission to do that, you become this most radiant person, not only for soulmates, you know, romantic type, but for more soulmates to come into your life, even on a friendship level. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, it's, I see it as like, as like a, um, a lighthouse. When you truly let your authentic light shine, you attract, your, your light is able to be seen. Where I had that visual one time when I was thinking just about this. I was, you know, I was like, well, I want to find this person and that person. And I, and I thought, you know, what if that person's out there, but I'm hiding myself so much that they can't sense me. They can't see me. You know, like your husband who got that message from their guides, like how are the guides going to know where you are? How are they going to be able to be drawn to you if you're hiding your light? And to me, that's what the freak flag is. That's what your essence is. That's what your true self is, is when you let that yeah. that light shine and be shown so that you can draw towards you. And to that point, it's the same thing when we embrace ourselves. That's why I remind myself when I still struggle, which I do way more often than I'd like with self-acceptance and just being able to celebrate who I am. And when I get caught up in feeling, you know, not enough that I remember that this isn't just about me because the same way that when two people join together, they benefit the world with their, you know, their highest selves. Mm -hmm. When we accept ourselves, we help light up the world because think of Mm -hmm. how different the world would be if everybody accepted themselves because so many averse experiences occur from people who are angry and reject themselves. That's what results in jealousy and envy and rage and anger. Because when you don't like yourself, cancer occurs when cells in your body reject the, each other, right? They, and the same is when, when we reject ourselves, we, we become this sort of cancerous energy where we, mm-hmm. you know, we're not, we're not right with ourselves. So we're not going to be right with each other. So I know I'm kind of going on a tangent, but it's just this idea that the more that we accept ourselves, the more aligned the whole world becomes, because when we mm-hmm. align with ourselves and we accept ourselves, we give off that light and we give others inspiration and permission to do the same. And the mm-hmm. more people in the world that accept themselves, this world could change overnight. It really can, sister. And that's sometimes when I, and I really appreciate that you said that because a lot of times when I say make the world a better place, when soulmates come together, I do, I I know that some people go, that's such a tagline, but I really mean it. I really mean it. If more soulmates could come together and do this work together because it's always going to be work. It's never going to be a hundred percent harmonious. It's not what it's supposed to be. Yeah. The more that we can all let go of all this crap that is that 
the society puts on us and be, just become more authentic and, and figure out what each of our purpose is and not what other people tell us it is, what we should want, what we should be doing. If we could just, that's what I think soulmates help each other do is to remember, you know, when other people get in the way of what we want and what we want to do and they naysay us, your soulmate's there to go, no, this is what you're here to do. Go do it. Yeah. Go do it. Let's make the world a better place in our own way. And it doesn't necessarily mean you guys are going to do the same exact thing, but you're at least supporting each other yeah. and remember, you know, helping remind each other. And I, I think that's really a big part of the reason why I, I want soulmates to come together. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you have that mission and that focus. And thank you for being a coach and for doing this because it's, it is important and it is needed, you know, rather than so many people telling us like how to get a guy and how to keep a guy, it's, you know, actually like how to be the best version of yourself to attract the best match for you, right? The best, the person best suited for you, that you're most suited for each other, that you most compliment each other and Mm -hmm. that you say you you start with yourself. So it's a, it's a beautiful message. and, And, you know, honestly, that's, that's all I want to focus on in my lifetime, because I think that's what we need right now more than anything. Who knows how much change you and I will see in our lifetime, but the change we start to plant the seeds for now is what we'll see in future generations. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we have, again, we have similar visions and missions where people accept themselves more than reject themselves. I see generations from now where people can't imagine being so mean to themselves and not loving themselves fully. I see it so clearly in my heart mm-hmm. that there's a, there, there exists a world where people are just totally stoked to be them. And there's so much more joy in the world. There's a lot of, there's a huge lack of joy right now. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of darkness. And I I just believe that that the time for that shift is really here. Mm -hmm. And I think- Amen, everything you said. (laughs) So, okay. One thing I do want to touch on before we kind of wrap things up is as someone who has found their soulmate, has made it, has done it, you're kind of a unicorn because it feels, especially to those of us who aren't there yet, you're like, does it really happen? You can say, yes, it can happen. What is a difference? And I know we've kind of talked all about this, but what are a few things you can point out about Todd? Todd, right? Mm-hmm. He's the man, the myth, the legend. What is What was different when you met him and you were with him? Can you tell us a few things that seem markedly different than the relationships before where you were like, okay, this feels more like mm-hmm. a swimming. When I... When I went into the date, I had talked to myself. I reminded myself I was not looking for a big romantic spark. That I was looking for how much do I feel like I can be myself with this man? We had been, the thing was, he had a bunch of, um, he had a big work project. So we wound up, before we even physically met, we, we talked on the phone many, many nights of the soul on the phone because he, he wasn't able, we were, he was working and traveling. And then when we finally met, we'd already covered a lot of ground about our values and what we wanted out of life and whatnot. But then, you know, you get nervous when you're going to meet the person. And I said, just don't be disappointed if you don't feel like this big spark. Just look for instead, how do you feel when you're with him? Does my body lean in? Do I feel like I... I can just really be myself and he's going to like that. So what was interesting when I first laid eyes on him and he smiled at me, I did not feel excitement. I didn't feel like, Oh God, I want to, I want to tear his clothes off. 
but I noticed his energy and his kindness. And because I guess I was older and wiser, I didn't think of that as settling. I thought, gosh, that's nice. It's nice to feel that kind energy (laughs) because Mm -hmm. dating can be brutal. Then over the course of the date, there there were a lot of really funny little things that we had in common, but I noticed that I wasn't sucking in my stomach. I wasn't like sitting there and, and, and thinking about how I looked. I just could, I could just talk to him. I felt like a friendship with him. Mm-hmm. And I could tell that he really, you know, he was leaning in, I was leaning in. There was just like this emotional, spiritual chemistry is the best way to describe it. It's a more peaceful feeling than physical chemistry. Mm-hmm. And that's, I guess, what I, you know, and the Buddhists believe that too. You, you know, look for the person you feel yourself with, you feel calmness. Mm-hmm. I have a client who, you know, she was with a soulmate and he passed. And, you know, it's, it's years later now that she's looking for someone new. And she just, and I said, what was it like when you first met him and you were with him? He said, she said, it's calm, calm. Peace. We're taught to think that's boring. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But then again, it, it brings me back to the addiction analogy because you spend a long enough time in the, you know, haggardness of addiction that when you let your addiction go and and there's not that chaotic up and down and roller coaster highs and lows, that peace feels real nice. And that's, you know, you get to the point when you've been on the roller coaster long enough that you're like, oh, this, I, I just want this. I'll take some peace and calm yeah. in my life. I'll take, I'll and, and, take the drama free. Yes. And, and one little funny thing I will say too, that, you know, it's kind of, it feels when I tell you this, it's going to sound like a, an after school special, but it really happened. Um, so when, before we physically met, he said, you know, I'm, I'm, um, a leg man and I'm five foot two and I'm pear shaped. You're five so, two. I would never oh have guessed. Boy. I thought you were tall. You have such a presence. I would have just thought that you were like, <laughs> I'm super sure. Amazon. Oh, thank you. Um, and what was funny is I said to him, well, I said, I wouldn't say my legs from my point of view are my best feature, but I said, I really appreciate my legs. They get me where I'm going. They dance really well. And he goes, why do you say that I, I they're not your best feature? And I said, well, because they're, you know, I'm five foot two, they're shorter, they're thicker. And he goes, oh, God, that's hot. <laughs> I love so he, it. He loved, he loved my type of legs. He wasn't, I just automatically went to what society says, which is like, a model, right? Gazelle, like giraffe legs. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I love that so much. Jean. Thank you again for saying that because people need to hear that too. That again, it doesn't matter what anybody else wants, just focus on you because what you got, somebody else is going to freaking love it and think it's the hottest thing that ever happened. Like, I love what you just said because we've all heard that, you know, like, oh, that's so hot. And you're like, what? That's okay. And so it's, and it, and again, yeah. it makes you think like, I remember one time I was trying, you know, I was into this guy and he didn't send that into me. And he told me <laughs> once that he was like super into this chick with like short red hair. And I was, and I was thinking about, 
okay, maybe if I, if I cut my hair, maybe I can dye it red. Maybe if I could pull off that look. And then I was talking to this other guy and he was like, oh yeah, I'm really into like dark hair, like black hair. And I was like, okay. And I was like, wait a minute. Am I seriously going to jump through these hoops back and forth to try and please what, and, and fit what other people want. And it also makes you realize, well, what if I just, you stuck with being a, a brunette? Somebody out there is going to like that brunette, you know, and rather than yeah. jumping to the short red hair, or the long dark yeah. hair, be who you are. Because first of all, like that's who you are and like, love that. And who cares if no one else likes it, but most likely somebody is going to love exactly what you have. Even if you don't think it's what, you know, yeah. is typically desirable, yeah. someone's going to be into it. People are into a lot oh, of different yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. And, and I learned later on that there are plenty of men who do like my kind of figure, but until I felt happy with myself and I felt sexy within myself that I didn't see any of those men until then. Yeah. Um, but we're hurt so much as, as women, especially, but everyone, you know, when you don't look the way society wants you to look, you know, um, it's very painful. And we carry that with us because there have been people, I remember uh, there was a guy I went out with, really handsome guy. And he said, God, you're go gorgeous. And this is when I was, I was really close to my ideal weight at, at one point in, in my life. And he said, how much more weight are you going to lose? And if somebody asks you that on a date, don't even spend another five minutes with them. The person who's right for you is going to be like, God, you're, you know, even if they don't say it to you, they're going to be thinking they're attracted to you and your energy yeah. and they're reacting to that. They're not reacting to, Oh, you know, she's got an extra 10 pounds on her, you know? Yeah. Plus I, I also have noticed in my long dating history is that the men who tend to make comments like, well, you're not the best that I've seen or, well, it's, you're not, you know, that's not that great. That's more about them. That's more about, it's like power thing rather than them being really being like, Oh, I just don't. Well, first of all, why would you even bother saying that? It's not very nice. Yeah. <laughs> but second of yeah. all, it's kind of like a, like, well, let me make you, let me be sure to make you feel a little bit not good enough so that I have, because that creates a power dynamic, right? Which, you know, we won't get more into this, but it brings us back to sort of, you know, unhealthy relationships, which is be wary of some, because people will also tell you like, oh, I'm just being honest with you. It's just that no one else has been honest with you. Well, there's a difference between saying things to intentionally kind of take someone down a little bit and being honest. So, and I don't think that that happens in a loving relationship when you no, say and, things just to kind of make a point to kind of say honesty like, well, with honesty without compassion is cruelty. Ooh, and a lot of men go. are, a lot of men are taught, you know how you get a really hot girl, knock her down a peg and then she'll really want you. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, I know how you and I feel about that. And there are guys like that carrying that around and thinking that's the way to go. And you're right. Yeah. It's not a loving thing. And that's not somebody to ever let into your belief system, your self-belief system, just yeah. bless them and say, thank you for showing me who you are. Yeah. Bye-bye. But, and absolutely bless them because you know what it, men who do that is because they've been hurt. And just like all mm -hmm. of us who pick up poor habits and poor ways of treating others, it's usually because of our own pain or our own past suffering or hurt, right? So, and, and that's also the, the trouble right now, why I'm glad there's people like you and why I think this message is important is we are at this time where dating has gotten really kind of nasty, where, mm -hmm. you know, men are kind of, 
you know, frustrated and resentful about stuff and women are frustrated and resentful. And it's because I think a lot of it is like the way that we date now. And there's so many options and there's so many ways to, you know, kind of play games with people or ghost people and all this stuff that we're all just kind of see each other in a poor light because we're not being Mm -hmm. our best selves in a lot of ways in the dating world. So it's really kind of a mess. It really, there's a lot that we could use a shift in that area. Agreed. Agreed. And the thing it's important to remember, if you're a woman who's looking for a man, the important thing to remember, because of course now with the Me Too movement and the patriarchy and all of that, it's important to take each man as an individual and not project that stuff onto the man because healthy, kind, good men, they want a strong woman. They really do. They just want a woman who needs them and can be vulnerable with them. And also it's important to recognize that they're carrying around their pain too. So a lot of them who come to me, they honestly believe that women only want them for their money or um, they want a bad boy. They don't want a nice guy. Nice guys never win. And I have to explain to them that a healthy woman... does want a kind man and they'll be like, well, they don't want me. And I said, what they want is what's critical is for you to be comfortable with being a nice person and for you to be comfortable within your own skin. Cause what women react to is confidence, just feeling good about yourself, not being arrogant or cocky. Yes, Absolutely. So we all have our stories, I think is what you're trying to say. We have our stories about each other that, don't serve us, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And we all have our stories about what enables you to be desirable and what enables you to have a mate or what's going to make you, you know, present the best. And all these stories are getting us into a lot of trouble. So I think it's time that we talk more to each other. You know, that's why I believe in the spoken word so much. That's why I like podcasts. The more we have conversations around these things, you know, I can't tell you how many podcasts I've listened to and thought, wow, that's a really good point. You know, the more that we speak out into the world, we introduce ideas and concepts that people can hear and, you know, really start to internalize, which I hope can create change. Cause that's how I've learned to change and how I'm still changing is by hearing these kind of concepts where it's like, you know, it's true. All I, all I need to do is just be true to myself. That's it. And everything else will fall yeah. into place. And it doesn't matter yeah. if I play the game or if I try this or that, the right things will come my way and the rest you just have to trust in. So yeah, but it's- I just had an aha moment because of what you just said, because I think that is true with podcasts because we're learning to have conversations outside of the mainstream media because the mainstream media hasn't really in general, there are good shows, no doubt, but hasn't served us well to, for having healthy self-esteems. So yeah. I think that's a good point. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful medium and I'm glad that it's here and I'm glad that people like you are doing shows and I'm doing shows and yeah. you know, your show is fantastic and your work is fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you so much. So for is being yours. Here. Thank you. Well, now it's even better because I'm, I'm having you as a guest and now you get to go in the archives. And I'm stoked. So thank you so much, Jean. This has been such a beautiful conversation. It's one of my favorite topics and such an important one. And it is just so inspiring. I, everybody out there needs to buy Jean's book. Where can they find it? Where can they find it? Cause it, it is seriously, it's a, a handbook. It's a guidebook. I was telling Jean 
before the show that you gave me my book before I went on um, a trip, a cross country road trip. And it was like one of two books I had. And so I just read it over and over and over. <laughs> and it's that valuable. And then I gave it to a friend because she was looking for a soulmate. And I was like, okay, well, I've read it 10 times. But now I'm like, where is my book? I need to, because I have everything highlighted. So it's one of those where it literally is like your guidebook that you should always have with you. So where can thank people you. find your book, Jean? Thank you. Thank you. For, that really made my day. So thank you for saying that. My book is called Be the Soulmate You Want to Attract. It's on Amazon. And also, too, if somebody wants to take my free quiz, I have a free quiz, uh, Discover Your Biggest Love Block. And it's on my website, mysoulmatecoach.com forward slash quiz, if you're interested. Awesome. And is that the website the best place to find you as far as working with you and finding out more about you? Indeed. Okay. And you can, you know, you could book a free soulmate accelerator session if it's something you feel in your body moved to do. You're curious, you can learn about it. It's no, um, no pressure, but if, if you're curious and you want to talk about, you know, what you're going through and how I might help, I'm happy to do that. Fantastic. Well, Jean, thank you so much for being you, for sharing your truth, for sharing your story, for the work that you do. Thank you for birthing that beautiful book because books are tough. I always say that to my guests when they've made a book. I'm like, yeah, you're amazing. <laughs> so you made a creation out into the world that many of us can enjoy and benefit from. So thank you. And thank, thank you, you for you and your soulmate shedding your beautiful light into the world. Me making it a better place. <laughs> thank you. All right, Jean, much thank love you, to you so much. Much love. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guest. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.